Thanks for listening to the podcast of Hope Church in East Hampton, Connecticut. Our mission is to love God, love people, and serve the world. To find out more about Hope Church, be sure to check out our website at cthope.com. Man, I love this church. It's good to see all of you. Yes. I'm excited for today. I hope you are as well. Um, it's even extra exciting because go Yukon, right? Awesome. Um, good stuff. And so I actually want to park there for a little bit. I know Carrie mentioned this last week as well, but it's important. Um, so again, big shout out. You might have seen the River East as well. Uh, the girls basketball team, East Hampton, um, had won the states, which is awesome. And we have players on that team that are in this room right now. So I think that that's amazing. I had um, the privilege as well as Carrie, like she said, to go to a play last weekend where there was a ton of students from Hope that were in uh, that play. You guys did a fantastic job. I'm proud of all of you, so great job there. Yep, that's worth it. And then I was standing here in the back last week and um, Again, I, I've said this before, but so grateful as I look out, uh, we have basically the people who own the live stream of our church. There's three teenagers who run that, and I'm looking out, and I'm so like, oh, man, that is just amazing that these kids, and I hate to say that, these young adults, whatever, are willing to serve. And then if you look on our database at our church, and you go to our like volunteer piece, I'm going to say probably 40% of the volunteers in this church are teenagers and, and people in middle school. That's a big deal, everyone. That's a huge deal. That's a huge piece of my heart. I don't know if you know this, but for years I was a youth pastor. Uh, actually, that's why 20-something years ago I was hired here for that. Um, and I just, I don't think that's ever going to leave me. And so when I see that, uh, my heart is just so filled up. And it actually even changed my message for today. That's how uh, fired up I was. I, th- I feel like God gave me something at last weekend that I'm like, okay, we're going to finish up this series called Hungry, but I think I know what I want to talk about, and so I hope it's an encouragement and a blessing uh, to you this morning. So here's how I'm going to start it. I'm going to read a passage of scripture. It's in Matthew chapter 19. It's going to be on the screen. You could follow along or you could pull it up on your phone or whatever. It will be online as well. It says, One day, some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could lay his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. And Jesus said, let the children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these children. And he placed his hands on them and he blessed them. Now, very rarely do we see Jesus get angry in the Bible. Now, we do know we have that incident where he overthrew, you know, the... 
the, uh, the tables, the money changers in the temple, right? But, but this is, I think, another, if we really look at this passage and we really look at the context, I really think Jesus gets a little bit angry in this passage. If you look at the context, when his, his buddies, his disciples, and they're doing their thing, he's doing his Jesus thing, right? Going around and helping people and loving on people. And all these parents come and they bring their kids and they just want this blessing. And the disciples are like, no, 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 no. Jesus, I have time for that. And she's like, stop. Are you kidding me right now? He gets angry. Because these children were important. To Jesus. Jesus loves kids. Jesus loves teenagers. And maybe you might be offended. I hope you're not. But when I say this next statement, Jesus might actually love your kids more than you love your kids. Seems crazy to say. Uh, one of the most uh, amazing, glorious passages, I think, in Scripture is found in Psalm 139, and it says this. You made all the delicate inward parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous, how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Not only does Jesus love you, and he does, but Jesus loves your kids, and he thought about them exactly how they were going to be. Before they were even formed in the womb, he knew. And they were designed on purpose. And they were given to you. And so, he says, because they're given to you, this is what you need to do. We find another Bible passage, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. A lot of you, again, may know this. He says, what your job is, is to bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Another version, maybe the one, I think that's the one I read growing up, it says, in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. This is how we're supposed to raise our kids. Now, if we look at that word discipline, we go to the original Greek language, what the meaning of that word is, it's a systematic, holistic education of a child. And then we take that second word, that word instruction. We go all the way back. And what does it mean originally? And what the intent of this in this passage says, to um, admonish or warn. Or another way you can say is, you need to put something in their mind. So here's the point of that passage. He goes, your job as parents and as caregivers is to systematically train up your kids and put into mind and admonish them while you have them. And I find that humbling. And I find that pretty cool at the same time. In other words, parents... Or caregivers, you have a holy responsibility. A holy responsibility. 
And God gives us clear instructions how to raise our kids. And so as we think about this series, Hunger, and we finish it up today, um, I want to talk about this. Now, now I have teenagers, and when it comes to hunger, and I talked about this before, um, our, our grocery bill has gone way up. And then there's this whole thing about little kids eating. And, and if uh, some of you might know, I have this thing. I, I get really scared when I watch kids, little kids eat. I'm afraid they're going to choke. Actually, I have to tell the story. I wasn't planning on it, but I will say this. Um, we were just talking about this week, so it's in my head. Uh, there was one day my son was really little, and we were sitting at the table, and Sarah had made, like, meatballs. And they're, like, kind of, like, I don't know, like this size. And um, you know how parents just know, like they know your kids. And he says, Dad, look what I can do. And I knew exactly what he was going to do, and I couldn't stop him in time. And he's like, I could swallow this whole meatball at once. I'm dead serious. He did. He tried. He went blue. We had to do the Heimlich, and it came out. And I still have nightmares about that to this day. Uh, that was just my side story. But let me ask you this. Whose responsibility is it to uh, make sure your kids eat a balanced and nutritious diet? Yeah, I mean, you already, I mean, you already know the answer. It's yours, of course. Now, if left to their own decision-making, what do you think their diet would consist of? Would they choose the nutritious vegetables and fruits? Or would they go and get the ice cream and the cookies and the cake? Uh Oh, so I had this idea that I would actually ask some kids at Hope Church what they would choose. So may I present to you some Hope Church kids uh, with that decision. Let's check this out. Do you want a banana or a cupcake? Well, I don't like bananas, so I'm going to grab a cupcake. Evan, do you want Teddy Grahams or an orange? Um, I'll say. Would you like to eat your carrots or your donut first? Carrots! Wes, what about you? Um, I want to eat my donut. Okay, go for it. Would you guys choose the ice cream bar? Or the apple, apple for a snack. Apple, apple. You both would choose the apple. Yep, because because um, Oreo is not good. Apple's healthier. Okay, thank you. All right, David, do you want a pepper or some chocolate chips? Uh, chocolate chips. <laughs> All right, Nick. If you had to choose, blueberries or a slice of cake. Blueberries. Taylor, same question. Blueberries or fruit or a slice of cake? Cake. Mama, may I have a snack? Sure. You can have a banana or cookies. Cookies! <laughs> yeah. Um, those of you whose kids chose the nutritious stuff, 
well, let's please talk later. <laughs> that illustration didn't exactly go as I had originally planned, although, again, you know, listen, when left to themselves, most of the time, kids are going to be like, ah, just, they're not thinking about the nutritious aspect. They're thinking about what they like, right? Now, let's say, um, let's just, again, let's go into Tom's weird world. And in this weird world, now let's say uh, that kids are on their own, right? And they had free range of the fridge and the pantry over and over again for days, months. And they chose to eat the less nutritious junk food over and over again versus the nutritious. Would they be healthy? Probably not so much. Now, let me throw another scenario to you. In the, those days and weeks and months where those kids are on their own, maybe you have set up your pediatrician visit. And so you go and you see the doctor, and right away the doctor is like suspicious. Maybe the child is lethargic and sleepy, or maybe their blood pressure is a little too high, or maybe they've gained a little bit too much than they normally would, or they're having trouble with their vision or their blood sugar or their heart rate. And the doctor, whose job it is to instruct you and warn you of allowing your child to fend for themselves... He says, you know, you really need to have a little better grip on this. And so you go home and you try this out. But listen, you're constantly being challenged because your child wants what they want. And after a while, and parents, I feel you on this, you might just say, ah, I don't care. Just go. Do what you need to do, right? By the way, we want them to be independent. So this is their independence. They're just going to make their choice. I don't know, you know. And you just kind of fade away and let it go and hope for the best. And so before you know it, they're eating and choosing the not nutritious, healthy foods for them. Let me ask you a question now. Is that your doctor's fault or is that your fault? And you don't have to answer out loud. In other words, whose responsibility is it to feed and oversee the child's nutrition. And now let me make this link. Whose responsibility is it to oversee the spiritual diet of your children? Don't have to answer out loud. But I'd like to take for the next several minutes and walk through this journey. Because I think it's so important that we get our minds around this. I think God's word has so much to say. We'll just barely scratch the surface, but I hope it's an encouragement and a help for you this morning. And I go back all the way to the Old Testament passage in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 through 9. I want to read this whole passage because I want to give you some context. Again, it will be on the screen. And so this is what the commands are to God's people, the Israelites. It says, these are the commands, decrees, and regulations that the Lord God has commanded me to teach you. You must, obe you must obey them in the land that you are about to enter and occupy. And you and your children and grandchildren must fear the Lord your God as long as you live. And if you obey all his decrees and commands, you will enjoy a long life. Listen, Israel, be careful to obey. Then all will go well with you, and you will have many children in the land flowing with milk and honey just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. 
Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And I want you to tune in right here. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. That's a command to us. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to the commands I'm giving you today. There's an expectation here. He goes on. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road and when you're going to bed and when you get up. Tie them to your hands. Wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So again, I'll ask the question, which you don't have to answer out loud. Whose responsibility is it to make sure you feed your kids a well-balanced and nutritious spiritual diet? Whose responsibility is it to make sure that they're receiving the spiritual instruction and the training and the direction that they are to receive? It's on you. It's on you. Listen, I am sold 100% I'm in on the church having a piece of the formation process of our kids. We're going to do our best Always to support you. But honestly, it's not the church's job. It's your job. I'm sold that we're going to do the best that we can. But ultimately, you are having the greatest influence on your kid's life. Not me. And not Miss Des. And not our awesome Kids ministry workers, it's you. Psalm 78, verse 1 to 8 says, Oh, my people, I don't think I have this one up here, so it's okay. Oh, my people, listen to my instructions. Open your ears to what I'm saying. I'll speak to you in a parable. I will teach you hidden lessons from our past, stories we have heard and known, stories our ancestors handed down to us. We're not going to hide these truths from our children. We're going to tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his power and his mighty wonders. For he issued his laws to Jacob. He gave instructions to Israel. He commanded our ancestors, check this out, to teach them to their children. And so the next generation might know them, even the children not yet born, and they will in turn teach their own children. So each generation, I love this, should set its hope anew on God, not forgetting his glorious miracles and obeying his commands. And then they won't be like their ancestors, stubborn and rebellious and unfaithful, refusing to give their hearts to God. We're just scratching the surface here. There are dozens and dozens of scripture where I think it's so clear. Listen, I know, I know your hearts. You want your kids to be the best they could possibly be. You want your kids to love others well. You want your kids to love Jesus well. That's what I want for my kids. I want my kids to be able to make solid, good, healthy choices, decisions in their life. And in order for that to happen, we need to oversee 
their spiritual diets. We can't abdicate that responsibility. It's on us. It's on you. And you say, Tom, I don't even know. Like, this is like, whoa, I don't even know where to start. You don't know my kid. Well, let's just think about things for a few minutes. When a baby's born, they start with milk. Right? Then they get out of that newborn stage, and you know, eventually they get to that like mushy baby food stage. I actually thought that would be a cool illustration. I almost brought baby food out here and just started eating that, but then I decided not to do that. <laughs> Too gross. Right? But they're but but then but they're still not eating that, you know, that solid, you know, steak and burger and pizza, right? Eventually they'll get to that. And, and, and even at first, you got to cut it up into small pieces. You know, again, we learn our lessons. I've learned that lesson as a dad. And so it is the same. As we teach our kids, we have to give them um, ideas that they will understand and be able to digest and take in. And that's going to build, and that's going to build, and that's going to build, and that's going to build. And honestly, this is an illustration that's actually used in Scripture. Now, part of this is, is talking about, you know, any stage. When we accept Jesus, when we begin to say yes to Jesus and want to be his follower, um, he, he goes on with this, with this illustration. Um, I lost my place here. Hold on one second. He goes, uh, like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. See, when you first start this whole Christian journey, you're going to start small. You're going to start, what the Bible says, just, just on the milk. Just some of the basic stuffs to get that, ba- stuffs, stuff, to, to get that basic nutrition in you, Right? And after that newborn stage, now you're ready for something a little bit more substantive. And eventually you start getting to the meat of what it means to follow Jesus. And the same is going to be true for your kids. Now, in thinking about how we teach and train our kids, there's something that popped out to me as I was looking at through some of these verses today. I think there are two words uh, that I see over and over again in Scripture that seem to come up a lot when it talks about instructing kids and instructing each other. It's two words. And if, you wanna, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. It's remember and obey. Remember and obey. If we go back to that Deuteronomy 6 passage, right, where he's given this instructions for this, this nation to go and take what God has given them and not forget what I've done for you, the faithfulness through the generations. He goes, you have to remember all of the things that I have done for you. That's the remember part. And then there's that second part. Now you got to take what you know to be true and apply it, to do something with it. You must obey them, it says. I go back to that Psalm 78 passage, the one I didn't have the words up there for. It says the same thing. He commands them to teach the children to remember what was handed down from the ancestors. This says the hidden lessons from our past. It's our job to remember the faithfulness of God. To remember maybe even what you went through in your spiritual journey. And then to hand that down so that your children 
will obey. And then those children teach their children. And those children teach their children. Now, I get it. We live in a harsh world. It's hard. It is hard. I'm going to talk about that in a second. But I, I just want to say this. So did we. That's really not the excuse. I, I realize that the world is different. I get that. Culturally, we need to adapt to certain things. We need to, we need to be able to do that. But you know what? When I was growing up, I had a whole set of different kinds of things that I had to deal with. And God is faithful, no matter what, to pursue it all. He's going to pursue us through it all. But you need to lay the foundation. And let me say this very clearly, as best as you can. In your parenting, we're not looking for perfection. If you're striving for that, you'll never get it. Your kids will disappoint you. You will make the wrong decision about that thing. You are called to do the best that you can, mom. You're called to do the best that you can, dad. But don't neglect it. Don't neglect it because you don't think you know enough about the Bible. One of the things I hear when we ask for volunteers, um, which again, I will just shameless plug, Kids ministry needs you. But some people are afraid to go and volunteer in kids ministry because they say, I just don't know enough about the Bible. Very common feedback. But here's what I know. Maybe you're young on your journey and you're not sure. Uh, I have heard multiple times that by someone serving in that area and they're kind of observing maybe and they're sitting with kids and just kind of helping keep kids together and helping them stand and sing and all the kind of stuff. They're not teaching up there. They're learning as they're there. And they're like, I have learned more about my faith just by sitting with these kids in kids ministry. How cool is that? Don't neglect it or reject it because you're fearful of pushing something on your kids. Hear me on that. It is our job. I went back to the word for parent. It's a Latin word, an old word called parer, and it means to bring forth. In other words, you're sowing into them to bring forth something out of them. Don't neglect it. It's your job. I am so imperfect as a parent. In fact, part of me feels like a hypocrite up here because my kids are in here. But my calling is to do the best that I can to bring them up in the nurture or discipline and admonition or instruction in the Lord. I have to look up for their whole their whole life, they're systematically be able to build towards that. So as we wrap up, I know I've just scratched the surface, but I do, again, one day, I, wa I want to have like a deeper series or even a class on this and break it down more. But I do want to warn you and I want to encourage you as I close. In my mind, and I've been reading a lot about um, just... Like, again, I, I read a lot about our culture, 
I read about uh, its effects on people. I, I read about uh, intergenerational, you know, so you have uh, Gen Z and Gen Y and millennials and boomers and all, you know, so um, I think we are, we do, every generation faces unique challenges. And here are three that I just want to acknowledge for every person in this room who still struggles, because we're all going to struggle. But these things are three things I think you could key in on as you do your best to bring up your children spiritually. Three things. One of the challenges I think you're going to face is this whole different idea about truth in our culture. I'm going to call it the subjectivity of truth. Our society loves to define and redefine what truth is. And so my question to you is, are you admonishing, and I love that word, this, this strong yet gentle reminder, are you admonishing your kids that truth does not change? It's eternal, and it's found in the source of truth, God's word, and in Jesus himself. We do not have our truth. We do have access to God's truth alone, and we believe God's word is true. So I, I want to acknowledge that. I'm just simply acknowledging that today it's hard because there's this whole subjectivity of truth. Second thing I want to just acknowledge is there's this lie about identity. This lie about identity. Our society, our culture has perpetuated this idea that we are in control of ourselves, that we can establish our own identity, that we are our own, but the truth of God's word says you are not your own, you are bought with a price. And that means God thought us up, he created us, he formed us in his image, and may God give us the wisdom as parents to talk about what it means to be a child of God first and foremost. The third thing is there is a cultural cost. Here, here, so again, let me just, the three things I just want to say today, and there could be a 10, I, I don't know, but first of all, if I was going to encourage you, first of all, to say truth is not subjective and we need to teach our kids and understand where truth comes from. Number two, that they truly have identity in Jesus. And third, it might hurt a little bit. There's going to be a little bit of a cost to do it. It's going to look maybe a little weird to value some of the things you value as a Christian parent or caregiver. My question is, are you going to be willing to consistently buck that trend and make setting aside the time for spiritual things a value? If you do that, I promise you might be looked at in a weird way. But here's the other thing that I've noticed on the other side of this. I actually think that speaks volumes to a culture who's looking at us as Christians. I do. So hold to those boundaries. They might be different for all of us. Might be different for me what it is for you. But make sure you are intentional about setting those boundaries, even if it comes at a cultural cost. And then I'm going to say one last thing in closing, and again, you might not like it, but at some point, we have to let our kids go. We let them go. They must and they will make the choices for themselves. 
but knowing that we did all we can to nurture their knowledge and love for Jesus is our job. And my only hope and prayer, listen, I realize, I'll say this, I struggle sometimes to pray for protection for my kids. And I, I know that might sound weird, but let me explain. Because I actually think I want them to go through things that they are going to have to learn on themselves and it might hurt. So I, yes, I don't want anything bad to happen to them, but I also acknowledge as a parent that they are going to have to figure it out for themselves. They are not going to be able to stand on your faith. They have to be able to stand on their own. And this is where God teaches us and instructs us personally. I'm at that point. My, my daughter's going to be a senior in high school next year. And then she's going to be off. We hope. I'll keep you posted on that. And my prayer is that she has gotten the instruction, and my son too, when he gets to that age, that they can make the decision on their own, the decisions they need to stand up and be light in this world. I'm going to leave us with one verse. Proverbs 22, sec, uh, 22.6 says, Direct your children. I'm going to stop there. There's an understood you. If you go back to English class, right? You direct your children onto the right path. And when they're older, they will not leave it. So as a church, I'm going to admonish you. Let's continue to encourage our kids. Make their, your kids, uh, you know, the spiritual development a priority in your life. And then I want you to look around this church and I want you to acknowledge the people who are doing stuff. Whether that's kids ministry workers, thank them today. Maybe that's kids you see serving in the nursery or, uh, again, in tech or whatever. Thank them today. We're so grateful for you all. Let's pray. God, you give us so much wisdom and instruction in the Bible. And I was excited to speak about this today, God. However um, good it was or whatever it came across, God, I, what I hope comes across is that we have a great responsibility in front of us. May we not abdicate it. May we step into it with confidence, knowing that, hey, we're not going to be perfect. We might mess up. It might come a little bit at a cost. But God, it's our job. And I pray that you, this would be a church that would lead the way. Again, I know we're not perfect, but that we would lead the way with kids. That we would lift them up, that they are not the future of the church. They are the church right now. Thank you for your promises. In Jesus' name.